to episode 133 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording on October the 10th, 2021. My name is Eric, host of the show, based in southern Ontario, hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. As a first responder, I witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events and started a small preparedness company to help people get better, be, be able to help themselves for at least 72 hours, if not longer. Oh boy, the internet connection is really bad today. My name is Ian, and uh, I'm really excited to be on my first show. This is really cool. Uh, I live on Vancouver Island. I'm a student of preparedness, target shooter, and small-scale hobby farmer. Glad to have you out, Ian. Thanks for coming out for your first hey, episode. Thanks, buddy. Pleasure to meet you, Ian. Uh, I'm Alan. I'm a safety trainer, first responder, security expert, and overall safety nerd. I'm Scott, first responder, splitting my time between southern and northern Ontario. I like learning things, and I don't accept that things will always carry on as they have, simply because it would be convenient for us. And I'm Jeff. I'm based in central Ontario. I'm a target shooter, hopefully by this time next week, a ham radio operator and general overall handyman. Yeah, I don't believe you, Jeff. Don't believe you. (laughs) You've said that before. I call bullshit, Jeff. (laughs) Uh, hey guys i'm brad i'm from eastern ontario i've been in preparedness in some way shape or form since i storm a 98 and i'm constantly trying to better myself so uh i'm anybody wants to help support the show oh oh, sorry miss steve in the the notes here uh i'm steve i'm in the interior bc um Mechanic, uh, you know, outdoorsy, fishing, hunting, fabricator, a little bit of everything. How do you feel about gasifiers? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Here we go. Everybody everybody needs one. Steve, that's why I love you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, go for it, Brad. Uh, we want to help to sh- help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air. Buy some swag. We have both the Canadian Prepper Podcast T-shirt and the tactical Velcro patch at www.canadian. Uh, sorry, prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup fuel backup generator fueled. If you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes to and like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad, or just if there's a topic you want to us to cover. You can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, we've got some uh, unscripted content for you in this episode. Oh, the dad jokes continue. Clearly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to start off with some preparedness-related news articles. Next, we'll get into what we've done uh, lately for our own preparedness. And then we're going to get into the main topic, just a casual fireside chat. Nothing scripted this evening. So let's move in. Wait, the there's supposed to be a script? Well. <laughs> hey, we have some talking points usually <laughs> to keep us on track. Because if not, well, we'd still be talking way back in episode 20. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I got nothing for the news. Um, things are happening. Pay attention. Um, actually, maybe uh, maybe some, one of our expert panelists can comment on. Uh, so I think it was Southwest Airlines just grounded something like 1,800 flights among staffing issues. Um, which may or may not be associated with a, uh, um, a potential mandate for federal employees. I have no direct knowledge of such things, Um, but it does lend to the reality that the people that are telling you that it's, you know, that, that you need a specific medicine to keep you out of the hospital are the same people that are also laying off hundreds of thousands of hospital workers. 
Yeah, interestingly enough on that too is the uh, I guess in uh, uh, airport in Florida right now, which is a major hub, Jacksonville, I think it was. They had thirty two or thirty five staff not show up. So of course that entire airport shuts down for because the Canada passengers getting on or off the airplanes, and then it just you know I guess uh, landslides from there you know from airport to airport because all the other planes stop, and then uh, yeah it's interesting because if you were a unionized company you couldn't do an illegal job action, but I don't think Southwest crew are unionized. So interesting. Anyway, that is interesting. Yeah. So, but yeah, no. It turns out too, if you if you get let go a bunch of your staff because of certain medication lacking status type of thing, uh, all of a sudden, yeah, you're going to be short staffed, and you know it doesn't take much for a walkout to affect the entire airline. Anyway. Well then. As for myself, I got a couple articles here. Uh, one regarding the Lebanon power outage. Not that Lebanon has been a bastion of stability over the last decade or three but it's uh it's just one of those things is that where you've been for the past couple of weeks Shh. you know so last time i went missing there's a big explosion there too <laughs> so maybe some of the Ooh. thoughts in the chat group are right oh. yeah that's right so uh yeah th- actually it turns out <laughs> I, I had to do some research on this this is very fascinating so Le- lebanon has been powered generally by two big power stations on the the mainland and they had two barges that were like you know hooked up to a dock and supplying power to the rest of the country, and so in a great confluence of events here, they had both contracts run out for the power barges, so they just shut down and said, "Well, screw y'all." And uh, then the two power generation stations on the mainland ran out of gas or coal, I guess it was, and because there's been a you know worldwide coal shortage now all of a sudden too, so uh, Lebanon has no reason to be out of power. Other than contractual and/or logistics issues, like, but really, there wasn't a mechanical failure. It wasn't like there was an act of war or anything else. It's just like literally, yeah, the supply chain kind of broke down on them. Go- government oversight at its best, I guess. Yeah, so it's just like completely unnecessary. If they would have, yeah, anyway. neither here nor there. But I would say they've been without power for over a week, and they're gonna be without power for the next three weeks minimum. I think it's reasonable to say that just about all. Um, just about all problems are caused by the government rather than solved by them. Yeah, like the old saying goes, right? I'm from the government here to help. But uh, so, other lies. <laughs> you know, I guess it's good for them and the fact they live in a climate that even during their, you know, quote unquote winter, they can still survive quite handily without power for a month. But also, it's probably a good thing it wasn't summer there because it'd be blistering hot. So, I mean, relatively good shape. I guess they're probably used to having power outages after, you know, decades of war and stuff too. So, I don't know. It's just not a great situation though. No, it's not. No. No. Uh, next one I had was from, uh, I'll have to thank Better Andrew for this one from the other CPP. Um, he gave me an article from thenextweb.com, which uh, talks about drones on the loose. And so they've got an algorithm going for these uh, drones now that they can fly through a forested area at up to 40 kilometers per hour, uh, which, if you can imagine, is a pretty good clip to go and you know, zoom around trees like sci-fi movie style. So I think the headline of the, the the actual article says, you know, humans beware, or humans, <laughs> humans run right, and hide. I, I've, I've seen, I've seen this one. It was a Star Wars episode. It didn't end well for everybody. For the, for the, uh, <laughs> didn't end well for the Ewoks. No, exactly. And I, I was, I was like, wow, this is actually getting pretty crazy now. So, like, you know, what's the next logical step? Is like, yeah, arm them. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah, wow, it's Great. just, uh, yeah, Great. So, well, That's, next, next world. If you, if you keep, if you keep reading down in that article. It states that they want to even up their speed with better sensors later. 
yeah, to make them mean, go even faster. We know true. that the next world war will be fought on in space or on top of very tall mountains. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's very interesting because I mean, like, yeah, I think the the tweak the AI bit and they take away the human controller. I mean, yeah, there should be theoretically no limit to how fast they can react. So it's pretty yeah. cool. So anyway, that's, that's pretty much all I had. I'm mildly terrifying. Just slightly <laughs> terrifying, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I've got uh, two articles here. One is in regards to, I know, shocking vaccines. Uh, two-thirds of federal workers are actually exempt from uh, being vaccinated. So that's interesting, to say the least. Uh, I, know I, I listened to the Mark Petroni show uh, while I was out working in the yard today, and he's got a, a whole bunch to say about the topic. So if you want to talk or you want to listen to that, it's uh, he talks a lot about it. Um and then I uh, got another article here about uh, a ham radio operator that uh, actually saves his friend's life. His friend was about 500 miles away. So it just talks about how his friend uh, was having a stroke, uh, wasn't able to get to a phone readily accessible, but uh, had a radio right on his side and was able to, to put a call out and, uh, and get some help. So I seem to remember that he was like, they were, they were like cross country or something, right? Like it was a, it was a fairly significant distance. Yeah. It's a, it's a good distance. Yeah. And, so uh, and he was able to just look up the local, look up the local um, EMS station or whatever it was. Yeah, he Peter? called the local, the local police, and, uh, yeah, and was able this to get guy. Uh, this guy just called nine one one. He had been to his friend's house before, even though it is a distance away, and uh, was able to describe where his friend lived. And then they were able to relay the information. That's well, that's great. Uh, what was yeah, funny? Really nice. uh, he's having a stroke. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, Interesting. Yeah, it's kind of neat. So neat, neat article to uh, look at, and that was actually sent to us by uh, listener Aaron. So appreciate you sending that in. Oh. It's uh, Aaron and Owen, if I remember correctly, or Oren. So, uh, so the two I've got. I got nothing. All right. So I've got a couple. Um, it's just been an ongoing thing from the last several episodes of uh, just the issues with the supply chain. Uh, Financial Post is basically saying they've never seen it this bad, um, that um, Christmas and getting um, stuff for gifts and and things like that is probably uh, at risk. So if you see something you want, uh, don't wait till before Christmas to get it. Get it now or you're probably not going to get it. Um, And the second one I've got, again, shocking, but um, that... Uh, there's an article about uh, hospital staffing uh, to get much worse as the COVID mandates kick in. Again, I'm not uh, I'm not here to debate the good or bad or whatever of the uh, the mandate. I believe everybody should have the right to choose. Um, it just it does a bit go back to preparedness of uh, the fact that your uh, first aid kits might start coming in handy when um, not only uh, hospitals but I've heard of uh, backlogs in ambulances and um, uh, down Windsor Essex way, they uh, put on leave 18 of their paramedics. Um, and then the union, of course, sent a blast out basically saying, yep, call an ambulance unless you're actually legitimately dying. You're probably going to wait three hours for an ambulance. So, Yeah, Alberta's going through it too right now with uh, with suspended workers and inability to staff trucks. Yep. Yep. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's only going to get worse. And again, I, I'm not here to debate either side of the thing. I just, uh, the one it's, it's not an article, but that I've, that I've linked in, but 
Somebody sent it to me the other day um, that basically said uh, the University Health Network in Toronto, which makes up uh, a lot of the hospitals there, Sunnybrook and Sick Kids and Toronto General and all that, uh, have made a mandate that if you are on the transplant list, you must be vaccinated or you will be kicked off the transplant list. So I don't know where nobody will ever be denied health care based on their vaccination status came from or whether it was just a load of BS, but that's uh, apparently what uh, that, that hospital has made the decision. If you're not vaccinated, don't come to us looking for a transplant. You can, you can die. Australia's going, Australia's done the exact same thing. If you're not vaccinated, you don't get health care. Really? Craziness. I changed up where I go with my uh, news article. Uh, so the NASA DART double asteroid redirection test. Uh, they're going to crash a kinetic vehicle into a small asteroid to just, just nudge its trajectory a little bit uh, and see that small change uh, will have bigger consequences in that long-term kind of that compound interest. It changed just a smidge of a degree. Uh, and it's uh, anyway, so it's a pair, it's a pair of asteroids. They're going to hit the little one and sort of see how it compares to the big one. Um, so I'm just happy that NASA is kind enough to look after something. So it's one less thing for me to worry about. Okay, that's until the next time it makes until the next time it makes its orbit and it comes back and it's in directly in our path now. Yeah. I well, feel like there's also, a movie about this. Also, I think yeah. that's just dumb. That that everybody knows the proper solution to an asteroid coming in is to send two shuttle loads of oil rig workers to go in there and drill down and plant that new. <laughs> Yes. But make sure the, tri the, the triggers on a timer. Oh wait, the timer's not working. Ah, oh. ah. Well, well, live timer looks on longingly. Oh, oh we NASA, time. if you're listening, we have the solution. Yeah, that's how it's done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So I move into what we've done lately for preps. Uh, I've been getting the house and vehicles ready for winter. Uh, and I also got to enjoy a fantastic live stream from Josh at the uh, Ham Radio Crash Course on the Baofeng Radio, which are available at Rapid Survival, I, I do believe. Not anymore. Industry Canada, you didn't hear that. Uh, I guess they were <laughs> formerly available at Rapid Survival, <laughs> and now just get them wherever the heck you want. Yeah, they, they were available until uh, Industry Canada called me and threatened to charge me with a $100,000 fine. So, <laughs> oh. Yeah. That was the end of that. Damn the man. Yep. Just try to help you. But is there? But is there not a Canadian version now, Eric? That you're what? Uh, there is. Yeah. There's. Uh, you what? There's a version now that is signed off has a, an Industry Canada number and everything. Yeah, but, it's up uh, there. It's right there. Good luck getting it. It's in the silver thing. I think Alan needs to mute his mic. There we go. Whoops. <laughs> 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 Sorry, guys. I thought I muted it. <laughs> If anybody's wondering, it's up there in the silver thing. Yeah. Oh, yep. We don't know what it is, but it's up there in the silver thing. Yeah. Uh, for for, for those keeping score, that's uh, that's a weed pen that is up there in the silver thing. And now it's no longer in the silver thing because it is in my darling wife's hands. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right, Brad. Oh, well, I pulled out uh, two generators that I have here on the property that need some work. I got a lead from uh, Urbex on the other CPP to to, uh, to go to a guy to have him look at him for some service. Um, pulled out some solar panels that I uh, I need to test. Hopefully, uh, set them up for a springtime camp use. General yard cleanup for the winter. Uh, 
I'm going to cut my lawn one last time for the year tomorrow. I uh, got some sand and a garbage can for an experiment with uh, potato, onion, and carrot storage for over the winter. I did some plant leaf trimming in the backyard in preparation for harvest. And I started organizing my shed for the winter and prepped my snowblower. That was it. Nice. That's that's an Ian-level tasking. I know. I was writing it all down, and I'm like, wow, I did a lot this week. I'm pretty proud of myself. And all I did was some uh, property cleanup, uh, cleaned out my gutters again. I did it once already, but enough leaves have fallen. I did it a second time and just uh, waked up and cleaned up some leaves and stuff, picked up some debris around the the property. For myself, um, I, I learned that no matter how hard I try to lock down my digital life, there's always one account that slips by. I got an email from Sony on uh, the 7th saying, hey, thanks, uh, your email address has changed. What? No, I, I didn't change it. Uh, yeah, so somebody got into my uh, my PlayStation account, and uh, as Jeff knows, I'm only on there like once in a blue moon. Uh, but thankfully, uh, Sony picked up on the fact it wasn't me, and they locked the account down, and it took me about an hour to get it back up. But uh, now there's two-factor on it as well and a stronger password because it just kind of... You know, slipped through the cracks. I just completely forgot it was even there. So that was interesting. Uh, and then same thing. I've been uh, cleaning up the property because the leaves are falling and I have a giant tree out front. And uh, yeah, there's tons and tons of leaves to clean up. So that's <laughs> okay, been so fun. Sounds like you guys seriously need some alpacas because basically what happens is the leaf hits the ground. It's like the ball boy in the tennis match. They come swooping along. They grab that leaf and just eat it. And there's no, no pickup problems. I might have to do that. Uh, or get a goat <laughs> or something. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, just a couple of play toys, like a leaf blower and a lawn tractor to take care of the leaves. That's okay. Think of the environment, too. Eric. How about a fire? Don't get someone around here who rents alpacas. There's got to be. <laughs> I actually I ran into one guy in Calgary, rents his out for $350 an hour. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Wow. <laughs> but it Living is on the island. Yeah, but his, well, that too. <laughs> but his rents out uh, for that much because it's able to ride in elevators and go into hospitals and attend birthday parties. And I'm like, mine are just too cranky for that. So so it's an emotional support alpaca. Got Pretty it. much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't think I, I don't want to make much work. Yeah. I also had the chance to uh, meet up with Alan, even though it was uh, a brief meeting. Uh, at least we got to say hello face-to-face. So it's always nice to meet up with another panelist and say hello. And uh, then got the uh, the podcast uh, Discord server all set up. So uh, hello, 24-7 Prepper resource. So if you haven't joined yet, uh, I put the link in the uh, live notes here, and I put it on the Facebook page too, so check it out. Yeah, the Discord looks great. There's lots of uh, different uh, sections in there and stuff. It'll be nice and organized. Yeah. Um, and a lot more as, uh, as we think they, they need to be there. So I know I missed something for sure. Right on. Uh, for us over here, we uh, we got a new freezer, so we we're moving all the food back and forth between freezers and cleaning them out and stuff like that. And then I uh, put a dual band J pole up in the uh, in the attic just for VHF UHF, so I have something at home rather than just a handheld. That's cool. Thanks. Cool. Does that actually like, have no problem with signal coverage going through the the roof of material? Yeah. Like yeah, no there? problem. Just regular uh, sh- uh, asphalt shingles and plywood, right? So yeah, uh, not a problem at all. Um, as for myself, I uh, also checked out Josh's live stream there, and then I promptly had my internet go down to the point where I couldn't watch a YouTube channel, so I was a little disappointed at that, but I'm going to be watching that one later. It was uh, very informative, 
even from the very beginning onwards, he covers stuff that, oh, I didn't even know about that on the UV5R. So it was pretty good. Yeah, uh, because my video is not working, unfortunately, I can't show you guys my cool new lighter, but I got one of those plasma lighters that's uh, off the interwebs that uh, basically uses electricity. And uh, I found out, fun fact from a friend of mine, that uh, it turns out those things are actually fairly high voltage because he managed to try and start his gas-powered stove with one and managed to touch his finger to the stove and the lighter to the stove at the same time. And surprise, surprise. <laughs> so he says, yeah, that's 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 some good thousand, couple thousand volts running through that thing. So I'm like, oh, excellent. Good to know. Um, <laughs> so yeah, ordered reloading supplies for the reloading. Mini taser. It's like mini taser, but don't say that because then they'll, they'll ban them or something. They're pretty cool. I actually haven't, haven't tested them other than paper, but they just they instantly get that paper on fire like faster than a magic even do it. It's pretty crazy. Well, and the cool uh, thing about them, you don't need butane to recharge them. You can recharge them with a solar panel or like just a USB plug. I'm sorry, sorry. Oh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're harsh on my journey here. Okay. <laughs> Ed, so edit that here. out. Sorry. Yeah, okay. So uh, order reloading supplies for the reloading season. So yeah, obviously we'll be sitting here in the rain for the next uh, few months, providing I don't uh, find a new stoop spot somewhere. And uh, just sitting reloading. So yeah, I got the supplies on the way before they run out because I got the last of his powder, the last of his primers, and uh, it turns out he's short on a lot of stuff. So supply issues. Uh, let's see here. We were... I guess when I started the podcast, we were at seven coops. Uh, we've consolidated all the way down to two now. So we sold off a bunch of chickens, uh, sold off a rooster, uh, layers, everything else to try and get it just down to a manageable level for just the wife and I, basically. Which means that I have another storage shed to play with, which is great. Uh, let's see here. Now, I tweaked the homemade solar jenny. So the solar-powered with a battery kind of installed solar jenny has like USB ports. It has like a 12-volt cigarette lighter. It has kind of everything going for it. Um, I want to keep it pretty, so I had to get a proper size spade bit to drill the holes, but I have all the wiring and everything set up, and I checked it out. Works great. Um, so my goal here is that basically I want to be able to charge the ham radios, the drones, the lighter, uh, flashlights, and cell phones. Yes, I can. And the most oh, important thing so I can, cool. And the most important thing I can charge with it, night vision scopes. So, because uh, now they're all internal batteries with USB attachments, so I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. So, if you can run everything off the soul jenny, that's just a nice little handy portable unit to you know do all your preparedness minded stuff, which is kind of cool. So, uh, and that did a little armed hiking, also known as hunting. Spotted a bear, wasn't the bear I was after. Let him go. Um, actually, we freed him twice in the last three days, which is kind of funny. And other than that, just been doing some hiking in general for fitness. Uh, redesigned some eaves troughs coming off the main shed because they were putting water in the wrong spots. So now I kind of changed the direction and entire design of it uh rotated some gas test run the big jenny and yeah i have to explain my absence so i've been way too much time at work um basically spending a lot of time in the states which really makes me angry because you can't do much down there or bring stuff home can't shop can't do anything um had some company over as well which didn't help and once again i had to go over to vancouver to deal with my daughter who had an emergency once again <laughs> and uh was the victim of some uh, some crime so that was not good so Unfortunately, that's when I missed another episode. And then uh, I do appreciate the chirping online from both the panelists and the listeners. That was, that was pretty awesome. It's been the best five episodes we've ever had. Yeah. It's, it's been like, so much fun. I, I guess if you didn't say anything at all, that means I wasn't liked at all. But I guess clearly you missed me. So that's what must be happening here, right? You were, you were clearly missed. Clearly. Yeah. All right. That's it for me. I... Um... 
I did some gas rotation. I did some fuel rotation. I'm working on the the last phase of the outside of my garage, which is the landscaping. So, uh, taking down my gardens now that we've been able to harvest most of the most of the vegetables. We're taking down the garden so I can move the shed into the where the garden was, build new gardens, and then I can finish my landscaping and um, be done with the exterior of my garage. So that's uh, that's been my progress this week. I've been uh, getting some time in on the rower I actually went for a, a nice long run today to mostly avoid the family. And that's, uh, that's pretty well. It. Oh, I put the, uh, put my winter kit in my, in my truck. So I got the, the winter emergency package ready to go. Nice. Well, uh, Kyle in the live chat here says, welcome back. Uh, Vancouver Island unicorn. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Awesome. Nice to be back. CGN, CGN, CGN. If you want to mention those, yes, I did some of those deals too, but I didn't want to like hog that much airtime. I'm, I'm guessing you haven't listened to all the back episodes yet, have you? Yeah. Okay. That that CGN comment there will make sense if you if you listen to them. <laughs> all right, let's move into the main topic, shall we? So uh Thanksgiving. For uh, for all of us Canadians, um, Americans listening, yeah, you you just do the date wrong. This is when Thanksgiving actually is. Is this weekend? Uh, so this is our Thanksgiving special. Uh, we decided to bring all the panelists together here with our green screens, uh, pass around the uh, the turkey, uh, the, uh, the homestead grown potatoes, all that good stuff, freeze dried peas, uh, forged mushrooms, uh, and then uh, just sit around the campfire and chat. Um, you know, we enjoy all the, the episodes of banter and silliness, you know, like the, the million dollar doomstead or the last three or four Rian hasn't been around and we've chirped the heck out of them. Um, so we're just hoping that maybe the listeners would enjoy too and, uh, just gather around with us and we're just going to chit chat and see, uh, see what we come up with. And, uh, surely there'll be some disagreement around this table with, uh, you know, uncle Jeff running off on some random tangent. Cause that's what he yep. does. And Gramps Scott, there uh, talking about back in his day and how things used to be, uh, well, he uh, puts new speed tennis balls on his walker. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're going to pass the marshmallows around. Everybody pour a drink and, uh, don't forget to turn up your carbon monoxide detectors because, uh, yeah, we're going to chat here and see what's up. Uh, there's 20, there's 26, 26, by the way, if anyone, for, for everybody keeping track, Kyle, yeah, Kyle, uh, Kyle sharpen <laughs> your pencil there. Um, I think I'm going to make a, a, a section in the discord for you so you can keep stats, uh, up there. <laughs> well, we'll just have the Kyle section. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Kyle's stat corner. Uh, so I'm drinking. I'm drinking uh, some Forester's bourbon. It's uh, it's absolutely fantastic, and just finished some pie. We actually did have um, our Thanksgiving dinner earlier tonight with potatoes grown right here on the property, and nice. Brussels sprouts. And we've got we picked all of our tomatoes today, so we've got uh, we've got some sauce going. Uh, the chickens were not um, were not ours, but they were locally sourced. And we instead of turkeys, we did chickens so that we could put them on the rotisserie. So we did those over the campfire. Uh, or over the uh, over the rotisserie with um, wood that was chopped from this property, so we're getting uh, getting as close to self-contained as we can. Nice. And I forgot to mention live chat. Uh, there's there's 13 people watching right now. Feel free to uh, to chime in, throw some questions in that uh, you have of the panel, or chit chat about whatever you want, and we'll uh, we'll link it in here as we go. Uh, so. This we will get started. Is Ian still with us, or did you drop out? No, we just lost Steve. No, I got uh, still oh. relatively here. Anyway, right. um, so I'll start off with a good conspiracy theory because you know, like uh, 
what, whatever to start it off. So back last election, if you recall, during the presidential debates, uh, Joe Biden mentioned there's going to be a dark winter. So I figure, you know, winter is coming. Let's let's talk about a lot of things here. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, this, this seems to be a lot of stuff coming together at the same time. It all seems to be adding up to like a real mess this winter. So definitely dark. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So we guess talk, I guess the first thing we should probably talk about is this. Uh, have you guys been following the Evergrande uh, thing with the financial contagion? The what? I have not. No. First I heard oh. of it. Okay, so Evergrande was basically the largest construction company in China. They were responsible for building all those ghost cities uh, that they couldn't right. figure out why they were building them and you know nobody was living in them. And so what happened was, is it turns out it was a giant Ponzi scheme, like Bernie Madoff times 100 level. And um, so they built all these buildings and they kept on convincing people to get you know, 20 per- or 30% returns on this stuff. And uh, yeah, I guess the investors stopped coming in and some of them asked for their money back. And before you know it, they can't make interest payments on these massive multi-billion dollar loans that they, they owe now. So they've already missed a, a payment deadline on one of their interest payments. Of course, the Chinese government originally covered it, but I think the next one they're not covering, in which case a couple other banks have already said, well, if Evergrande fails, we're going to fail. And of course, every bank is linked around the world. And they're concerned that basically if Evergrande goes down, which is, uh, I think they said 20% of China's GDP in one company. Um, wow. that could basically create an entire financial collapse worldwide. Simply the fact is there'll be a cascading series of failures among banks because everybody's loaned this company money. <laughs> so I'm yikes. And, uh, so it's actually, it's been, it just, a bit of a, just seems like a bad idea. Yeah. Whatever. And so everybody's like, well, trying to better bail them out, but it doesn't seem to be there like jump into the pump to do so. So I don't know what's going on, but uh, this Evergrande thing is, is actually a massive deal and, and nobody seems to be paying much attention to it. And they're, they're certainly not paying atten- to, attention to it here in the markets in the U.S. or Canada. So I don't know what's going on. But hmm. that was interesting. Well, it would probably be in China's best interest for all the worldwide banks to fail, wouldn't it? Given that we all yeah. owe China like vast amounts of money that we can never possibly pay back. Well, the problem is that it becomes that too big to fail thing, right? Like, does China want to increase their own debt load uh, and, you know, to save Evergrande or do they want to let Evergrande go down and just deal with the consequences afterwards? But either way, like, there's a reason they didn't let uh, a lot of Lehman Brothers and those types of banks back in 2008, you know, some of them they let go, some of them they didn't because some of them are just too dang big now. And I don't know. Like, you know, the old saying, if you owe the bank a thousand bucks, you have a problem. If you owe the bank a hundred million, they have a problem. Yeah, that's a good yeah, that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> well, it, it, it comes it comes back to that whole concept. Like we we've we've created this whole concept of money that it, like money's not real, right? We we like worldwide. There's something like four hundred trillion dollars in debt, but to whom? Right, you you do the you do the math, right? Like the guy comes into the hotel and pays a hundred dollars, and the Hotel owner takes it to the butcher, and the butcher pays the the dri- the delivery driver, and the delivery driver pays the gas company, and the gas company pays the hotel for his restaurant bill, and that same hundred dollars goes around five times and pays off eight hundred dollars in debt or five hundred dollars in debt. Like it, it's um, we've 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 created this art like this, we've created this problem that theoretically could be solved with a whole bunch of people saying. No, we're not like we just we, we just don't acknowledge debt anymore. Um, but then, who would have the power? And that's the real question. 
Well, the problem is instead of just saying no, uh, they've created 30% of all money in circulation in the last year in the U.S. So <laughs> they just keep on printing more money. And right now their, their current solution to their debt ceiling is to, to mint a platinum or some fancy metal anyway, $1 trillion coin. And that's straight out of The Simpsons. Um, I was going to say, that's, that's a Simpsons episode. Yeah, <laughs> and then somebody's going to steal it and go try to buy Cuba. Yeah, exactly. So, and that was the best Why part. Like, be? Once again, once again, the Simpsons nailed it, right? But seriously, they were actually considering minting a one trillion dollar coin just to solve their financial woes for the next, you know, three four months. I'm like, are we serious? Does, didn't didn't Zimbabwe or somebody do that too? And you get like fifty million dollar bills, and it won't buy you a loaf of bread. Yeah, Zimbabwe had fifty trillion dollar bills for a while. Uh, yeah. And it just, just like these numbers just don't make they don't matter to anything, right? They're it's it's completely artificial, and that's why I think they're pushing for this digital currency so people don't see how bad it is. But I uh, I tell you, this is not sustainable in the, in the remotest and long term. So Evergrande, I think, is just your canary in the coal mine, uh, and yeah, it gives some far reaching uh, you know repercussions, I guess, down the road. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's why so many of us see value in tangible assets, you know, things you have on site, a garden, seeds, freeze-dried food, hypothetically a wood gas fire, CO detectors, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> like, so that's 33 minutes, 19 sure, seconds in. Sure for <laughs> no, but like, you know, those, those actual useful <laughs> tangible assets that yeah. mean something that aren't dependent on... Uh, you know, a fragile electric grid or an internet connection that has to get to a server halfway across the continent or, you know, three continents away, uh, you know, actual meaningful, useful things. Because you're right, when mm -hmm. when the financial system is a giant Ponzi scheme and, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't China do... Uh, the construction is part of their GDP as opposed to the purchased property is part of their GDP. So you can build an empty building at building and it it counts towards productivity. Um, yeah, because everything's owned by the state. You don't actually own your apartment. You lease it from the state for a set period of time. So Ah, so that's how that applies. Yeah. Because communism, right? So they, they don't have any property rights or anything <laughs> over there and um, that's why the, the country originally could afford to have all these buildings, buildings sitting empty because the, the state's covering the power bill anyway. So hmm. all good, right? Yeah. I think the problem with socialism, you eventually run out of other people's money. Yeah. Um, the, which is like, uh, Scott, you're, you're right that having you know things in your house is better than having assets in the bank if the bank disappears. However, if... You, if the bank has a mortgage, if you have a mortgage to the bank, then all of that, all of those tangible assets need to go somewhere when the bank calls that mortgage all of a sudden, which um, most, which most mortgages have the have the option to do. So if the bank needs to needs to generate an absolute ton of cash all of a sudden, they're going to start calling mortgages, and nobody's going to be able to pay, and they're going to take they're going to take your 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 property, and then either you you have to lose all the stuff that's in it, or you have to find another place to put it really quick. Yeah, but the banks aren't interested in doing that because they have no interest in dealing with properties. They don't want to be a landlord. They don't want to have to sell properties, especially well, on no. But they they, it, it becomes it becomes an asset all of a sudden, right? So, so when the bank when the bank has to go to the government and say we have X amount of debt and we have X amount of assets, if they start all of a sudden they own, you know, a hundred million dollars in property that they didn't that that was a that was debt before. 
in mortgages. Now it's assets and property that looks really different on a PL. Sure, yeah, that's fair. And I guess there's been a real turnover of the states right now, too. I guess it's, uh, is it BlackRock? I think it is. One of the largest corporations out there, right? And of course, they've become one of the largest landlords in the states now because of all the defaults and changes in hands with the bank taking over stuff. Um, I think they said two and 20% right now of all new houses right now are owned by BlackRock. And yet we have some kind of housing crisis. Yep. <laughs> Beat me to it. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Craziness. Yeah. Absolute craziness. Well, that's that's why I want beat to death anyway. <laughs> so I, I also want to talk about supply chains. Like uh, I think Jeff touched on it briefly. Um, I think right now there's 90 ships sitting off the port of Long Beach, California, waiting to get offloaded. And they're talking about supply chain issues and you know, shortages for the holiday season. But I did some digging. It turns out these little buggers don't even work on Sundays and they don't have a night shift. Oh yeah. It, yeah, it's again, it's 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 a completely artificial shortage. If you look at there's that there's that map of where every ship in the world is. Yeah, there are hundreds of them, just like, just like bunched up around the ports, waiting to offload. Yeah, um, you know, Vancouver, Montreal, Halifax, they're all weeks. they're all doing the same thing. They've been sitting there for weeks, and there's just they, there's just there's no production of like there's no throughput of people actually offloading the ships, and. Again, like just what a, what a, what a, yeah, fine, I'll say it. Yeah, what a and I, uh, <laughs> I, I can't remember which port it was, but one of the ports they have, uh, they basically have three docks. Uh, so three, they can put three ships in and unload them. And for whatever reason, nobody can seem to figure out, they decided that it was time to uh, take one of those ports and um, fix it, and re, re, reconstruct it, and do it. In the middle of the time when you need that port to unload, oh well, let's let's shut it down for eleven months and and fix it and rebuild it so that it can that, unload faster. But that because I, unloading a thing like, because I see the world through rose-colored glasses. Sometimes I will assume that there was like critical infrastructure problems. They didn't have a choice but to shut it down because that happens, right? Everything has a life cycle. It will all eventually break down. Um, there's no good time for construction. Right, there's no good time for for the, for a life cycle of something to end. Um, it was probably scheduled to be done this year, anyways, and it just happened to coincide with, you know, major shortage of everything because nobody wants to work and do things right now. Well, so is it, it, it's just is the main uh, the main issue is it the shortage of workers at the port then? Well, and that's the thing is nobody really wants to, you know, talk about it. But for example, like over in Shanghai, or just south of Shanghai, it's one of the largest parts in the world. I think it's the third largest in the world, largest in China. And they shut down the entire set of docks for one COVID case about two months ago. And then, you know, Long Beach is sitting there, well, they've got a shortage of workers. And they're saying though, that they, they can't add an extra shift. By the same token, though, the dock workers are like walking off the job and they say there's you know, people are sitting at home getting paid, that, you know, from the equivalent of CERB down there that just didn't want to come back to work and they've got all sorts of issues. Well, and they're having issues where the shipping containers are coming in because there's so few workers. It's not in their interest to send, spend the time to load empty shipping containers to send back across the Pacific. So there's a huge shortage of shipping containers at the other side to send full this way. And the problem that companies are having is shipping costs are up like 600 to 1,000%, where it used to cost 
$2,500 to ship a standard 20 foot shipping container. It's now like instead of 2,500, it's 25,000 to the point where Chinese suppliers are like, you know, here's our product. Please don't buy it. We can't, we can't afford to ship it to you. You know, the the shipping costs on, you know, a friend of mine was looking at e-bikes and the shipping cost on an e-bike coming from China was going to be like five times or something ridiculous what the cost of the actual product was. So it's kind of, it's kind of this cascading problem uh, and it leads to the shortage of everything. I mean, Jeff and I both love putting supply chain news articles <laughs> in the podcast because <laughs> it keeps happening and it's getting worse. And it, it's, it's kind of like that speed wobble where, you know, it's sort of like back and forth, but the amplitude just kind of keeps getting higher and higher and higher and worse and worse. And it would be nice if, um, and I see Chris just made a comment in the live chat. Exactly yeah. what I was thinking was it would be great if we made more things here and we wouldn't have to get them shipped in. But again, the problem becomes, like Ian said, you got the you, where do you find the workers? People don't want to work. They're getting paid to sit at home. And so, I mean, yeah, you can make a plant and you might want to build something, but where are you going to get the workers from? Well, and the the, the biggest challenge and the reason the reason the legislation or the reason that that sh- manufacturing moved overseas in the first place was the was the legislation here right like where we're paying in ontario like a 15 dollars minimum wage in china like we're paying 15 dollars an hour they're paying 15 dollars a week or a month so the the labor cost is always your biggest cost on anything whether it's manufacturing or construction or mining or whatever but it's so much exponentially higher and you have so many more stringent safety and environmental standards here that Another country can say, well, we can build it cheaper. And what does the consumer, what does the average consumer want? They want yeah, it cheaper. Well, yeah, I think you did hit the nail they have though too, Alan, is the fact that environmental concerns, right? Like, so here you would be able to build half the factories they build there because of the emissions standards or maybe safety standards or anything else. Or, so the, water, or, the, or the, the wastewater discharge or yeah, exactly. the number of bathrooms they put in the buildings for the number of workers. Like, the way that the way that their like their standards are so low by comparison. I mean, we've talked about this before, like with Haiti, right? Haiti keeps having earthquakes and they keep losing every one of their buildings, but they also keep building the same thing over and over again, and not building for the next earthquake or the next hurricane. China does the exact same thing. They, we 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 piss and moan and go to all of these conventions worldwide about how we're going to reduce carbon dioxide emissions or or whatever other greenhouse gases and that was dioxide by the way just for the record uh, and while while there's while while you know the Western nations or the or the receiving the consumer countries say yes we'll we'll reduce our emissions. All they're doing is just transferring it to another country by producing somewhere else where they don't agree to those standards and then claiming that we're superior because we have better emission controls. And then they specifically exclude those countries from any new regulations too that are like universally agreed upon. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, but yes, yeah, mm-hmm. so they, they've tried to char- chartering private vessels to kind of compensate for the lack of, I guess, carriage ability for all the cargo ships but again the same problem exists these, these private vessels show up and they got nowhere to offload so um, yeah it's becoming a real problem with supply chains uh, anyway on that note next one 
What else we got? Jeff, how's your, uh, how's your studying going for the ham radio course? It's going very well, thank you. Thanks for, I, 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 for, for all the time you spent not writing the test, I expect you to get like 95 to 100 on it. Uh, yeah, I've been out of school way too long, so we'll, uh, we'll see how it works. But <laughs> We do have a question in the live chat uh, from Kyle. Just uh, yeah, wondering know, which I is going to happen first. Uh, is COVID being eliminated or is Jeff going to be a licensed ham radio operator? <laughs> That's a tough call. Well, it's really a current cost at this point. First yeah. of all, if COVID gets eliminated, they, they can't make money off that. So I, I can't see that happening. <laughs> so yeah, but if Jeff gets his, well, if Jeff gets his, his license, if, if Jeff gets his license, then what are we going to bitch about? I think he's going to have to leave his license for like another year at least. So I think it's a coin toss. Also, Kyle, we should get you on the show. You're awesome. We appreciate you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so you guys been following China at all? I try not to. Yeah, Although I did see that the uh, um, the the Queen Elizabeth Carrier Group um, entered the South China Sea, and China didn't appreciate that too much. That was kind of interesting to watch. Yeah, well, they said they were sending Big Lizzie in there. I was like, well, that's kind of that's kind of a rude name for one of your one of your people, but it turns out that's a ship. Uh, <laughs> her, her her Majesty's warship, Queen Elizabeth. Yes. Yes, and then uh, so yeah, I guess. China's been uh, talking more about reuniting Taiwan again. This is kind of like Dr. Evil's you know, go-to plan is like, oh, let's just steal another nuke and hold the world hostage. Well, let's, like, let's take back Taiwan. But uh, I think China's really trying to get serious now because they figure because the U.S. is distracted with a bunch of other problems that we've been talking about and stuff, that it's a good time to give it a try. Let's so, go, Brandon. That's right. Let's go, Brandon. So, uh, yeah, they've been sending plane load after plane load, literally, of fighters, I guess. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, formations of fighters over the Taiwan Strait into Taiwan's airspace to try and see what they can get away with. And it's getting to the point where they're sending like 50, 60, 70 fighters at a time over there. And they're trying to do a naval blockade on Taiwan. So the United States and the British are coming to their rescue. And uh, China's telling their people to prepare for war and a lot of saber rattling going on. So I figured that was just another thing that could uh, touch off. And, and most of the pundits are saying it's different this time for reals. So I don't know what's going on, but maybe they, they think there's going to be a uh, kinetic war soon there. Might be short-lived, but Where is that last microchip plant on the planet? Located? Oh, yeah. Taiwan. That's right. And, oh, who makes, crap. And, and who makes the rest of them? Oh. China. China. <laughs> So go. yeah, as if they didn't China. already make everything as it is, but that'd be a great way to hold the rest of the world hostage is if you controlled all the microchips, which is a James Bond movie plot with Christopher Walken, by the way. Of course it is. Yeah. And, and just, Absolutely just back to the, the blockade thing, it's totally unrelated, but uh, just interesting. Um, I seen it the other day. So obviously everybody knows Britain left the EU and apparently there was some sort of a way that they were handing out fishing licenses and doing things with fishing licenses. And uh, a lot of the fishermen in uh, France are complaining that they're not getting their licenses and they have threatened to start uh, blockading ports in Britain or uh, around Britain. They talked about uh, there's one in Calais, which is actually a French port, but a lot of stuff for Britain comes through there uh, as a way to protest that they're not getting their licenses. And so... Wait, the French are protesting something? Come on. Wait a minute. Yeah, Wait that's a minute. brand new. That's never happened in the history of the world before. No, no, no. I'll, I'll keep my motion. Oh, man. 
I, I love Jason's comment there about. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say that's a My great, great point, no Jason. Yeah. By the way, I, I still have a wood stove in my backyard I need to get rid of. I will come um, and get it. Is is the ground dry? Come and get it. The ground uh, is dry. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's concrete all the way. You just come and get it. I I really want it gone. I'm actually in the. I'm searching for an oxyacetylene cutting torch to cut it into pieces. I swear this thing weighs 500 pounds. Uh, no, it's a double do wall. Do okay, well then come get it because I want it gone. It's all right, send right. me an address. I'll get it picked up. <laughs> I'm not joking. Oh, Send me man. an address. I'll get it picked up. <laughs> well, check, 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 the, uh, check, check the group chat. Metal, right? yeah, so <laughs> Scott and Brad get to a duel over who goes to pick up the wood stove. Well, we're both about the same distance away. I, I propose some kind of race. That would be hmm. good. Sure. Amazing race. Yep. By amazing start? race, yeah. <laughs> And you know, because I, 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 I've separated the door, I'll, I'll I'll make the door some kind of like scavenger hunt, and you have to like answer clues to get to the next <laughs> one. Whoever whoever can figure it out first gets the door. Here's a tip: the answer is carbon, carbon monoxide. monoxide. <laughs> <laughs> the carbon monoxide. Yes. <laughs> and you'll and you'll have to pick you'll have to pick at least one lock to get through it. So Brad might have the advantage there. Ooh. Although Ooh. That, Scott, I sent you law. I sent you picks, didn't I? Uh-huh, to replace the set that I already had. There we go. Ooh, the plot thickens. Brad, how you doing there? <laughs> Guess I'm practicing on the drive down, eh? This is going to be a good competition. But I, I can load it faster than Scott can. <laughs> that I believe. Here we go. I can load it onto my truck faster than Scott can. Just because I'm in my 90s. Doesn't mean I can't. Wait, no, I'm, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> just, just put the speed tennis balls on your walker. You'll be fine. I, I call him a big city guy too. That he's all you know, weak and whippy. But he's not even a big city guy anymore. No, he's not. Well. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> staffing shortages. Anybody uh, have a, I guess, for, for help wanted signs in their businesses window or everywhere, uh, everywhere. everywhere, oh, my everywhere. God. Every every job site, every construction site that I go to, like I, I literally I get offered a job five times a week. Hey, do you want to come work for a con like work for con work concrete? Do you want to come frame? Do you want to come install glass? Do you know anybody that wants to? Everybody's desperate. Where I work, I go to a lot of construction sites and same thing here in the Ottawa area that everybody, everybody, everybody. You can't drive down one industrial sort of street in Ottawa without seeing at least 10 help wanted signs or signing bonus signs or come work for us. Or a whole lot of them everywhere. Yeah. Same here in the, in the Okanagan also. Um, uh, we had several small restaurants closed because they don't have anybody, anybody to work there. Right. And uh, you know, in the past here in, in this area, it's been uh, um, it's hard to find a job kind of thing because everybody wants to be here because of the weather and such. But nowadays, if you don't have a job here, it's because you don't want to work. Well, there, like there's the incentives that are coming out for things like restaurants. Like I've never seen this before. So um, in Ontario, the, the, the minimum wage is 15 bucks an hour, 15, 10 or something. There's a service minimum where, um, where, Tipping is is part of the part of your salary, and I think it's eleven fifty or something an hour. I don't remember exactly, but um, 
there are restaurants and bars that are hiring servers at like 21 and $22 an hour plus the tips that they're going to make because nobody wants to do the job. Wow. So they've got, they've got to, they've got to incentivize it so much. And it's, I mean, I, I good for the servers, right? They've, 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 they've got such demand that they can, they can command higher wages. I'm really happy for them. I feel really bad for the owners who are trying to turn any kind of a profit and take at least, you know, even a, me- a, a measly salary out of it. And all of a sudden their wage cost is tripled. Well, um, they've had so many lockdowns lately. They were at restricted capacity. So they're already like, yeah. probably losing money as it is. And that's not helping. Yeah. So they're 50% capacity now, plus less whatever, whatever group of people are choosing not to go in because they don't want to have to show a passport or, or sorry, vaccine certification um <laughs> so they don't want to they so they're so they're at 50 percent capacity already they're not even full at that like they're not even seeding their maximum capacity and on top of that they're paying double the wages um yeah. and I, I feel i feel terrible for the owners because they're you know i know i know a fair number of restaurant owners in in my area and they're not like these are these are not multimillionaires that are you know that are buying yachts and sending their kids to private school. These are these are small business owners who are in a good year, making a reasonable salary, and you know maybe they'll take a one week all inclusive to Cancun, but that's about it. Like these are these aren't like these aren't high margin high, high margin industries to begin with, and then and they, they yeah, and they're going. and they're really getting the short end of the stick too because the. Uh, the Ontario government just uh, said max capacity for things like the Rogers Center and the Jays games and hockey games and movie theaters and all that. But they said the restaurants can't do that because there's still more of a threat. Well, sorry, having 30 people in a restaurant is less of a threat than having 30,000 people in a stadium or in an enclosed uh, arena. So it's, it's all BS. Well, it's kind of crazy because even tonight, like uh, for Thanksgiving, my daughter had to get called in. She's 16, and she's the only one willing to come in. And the boss told her, "I said, listen, he goes, if you don't come in tonight, I have to close the restaurant on Thanksgiving because we just don't have enough staff." And so, where are all these people gone? Like, they, are they that many people just playing PlayStation in their PJs, like collecting their? Is Serb still a thing? I don't even know. They're hacking right. my PlayStation account, apparently. Yeah, it's a, well, it's 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 like an extended EI benefit now, or something. They rolled it over into into a different. A different package is no longer called Serb, but it's the, it's like an extended recovery benefit or something, and it's, um, it's for for minimum wage jobs. It's still better to stay at home. Um, I'm hearing like laborers being advertised, like companies are hiring, they're advertising on the radio, they're hiring, they're spending tens of thousands of dollars in radio airtime to say we're hiring people. We're hiring yeah. laborers at forty five bucks an hour in the concrete. Where is that? Sign me up. Yeah. Come on, come on down. I'll uh, mess- message me or send me an email. I will, I will link you up with them. But like, you can go be a concrete laborer, and literally your job is, you know, every once in a while you hold a shovel. For the most part, you guide the crane, and you're you're forty five bucks an hour on that, um, which is you know, and plus benefits, plus an RSP, plus all that stuff. Like they're they're making it as, um, as easy as possible for you to want to go do. A tough job. I'll so, pack the so, van um, tonight. So what you're saying is, turns out that paying people to stay at home and not work is is making people stay at home and not want to work. It's crazy, isn't it? So That's weird. weird. 
Must be one of those conspiracy theories. It's almost as if not having an incentive to go to work doesn't make that makes it harder for people to go to work. And um, pretty sure that's been the fall of every communist country in all of history. Oh, you took that line from away from me. Ah, it's going to go there next. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> communists and CM are my thing. You need yeah. your own thing, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think of uh, all the talk about guaranteed income? It's the same thing. It's just, it's just a uh, server, UBI. It's all kind of the same thing. It's like that's that's the whole idea of communism too. Is like you know a doctor would get paid the same as a street sweeper, which worked great for the first generation, but then there was no incentive to ever go out and go to medical school again. So, but the, so I I'm going to disagree there, and I and I, I I've got my flame suit on. I I know this is a hot topic, but I'm actually in in full support of a UBI. I really am a universal basic income, not enough to live on. Right, I'm not. I'm not talking about like five thousand dollars a month or anything. I'm talking about enough to take your minimum wage job and make it a little bit more comfortable, as long as. And this is the this is the, the asterisk on this. As long as it replaces all of the other social programs like OAS and CPP and uh, EI and welfare, if it replaces all of those other programs, the reason I'm in support of it is I think it would be cheaper. That is definitely, if that was truly the case, I would agree with you. But again, the problem is it's not truly universal because as soon as you start making a certain amount, they, cl- they claw it back. So really, well, it's, but, only for, it's only for well, the it, society. But it, it's like, if, and, if everybody that has a social insurance number, the day you turn 18, you start getting, I'll call it $1,000 a month as a round number. Yeah. You start getting $1,000 a month. That's not enough to live on for the average person. I would hope not anyways. Um, but it's enough. it's enough that my... Um, that I will, you know, I would never be homeless, right? If I, if I was in a real dire strait, I lost my job tomorrow, I got in a car crash, whatever, it would keep me afloat until I could get back on my feet. Except for the problem is that as soon as the landlord knows you can afford at least a thousand dollars a month, guess what the minimum rent is going to be everywhere. Goes up. But you can't get, you can't rent an apartment for less than twenty five hundred dollars a month right now. Anyways, at least in my area. No, no, there's, I'm just saying, like the basically, just like minimum wage, it drives the cost of everything up, right? Yeah, and, and I'm I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that. What, but again, I'm saying it, it. The reason I'm in favor of it of it is if it replaced Canadian pension plan and old age security and EI and welfare, it would be cheaper. That's to true. operate. Yeah. That's that would be the reason that I'm in favor of it. But it had to be and, if, and if you give it, and if you give it to everybody the day they turn eighteen, yeah, until the day they die, and you don't have, then there are no administration costs. It just happens automatically. You you register on your eighteenth birthday, um, it goes into your bank account, and that's that, right? It, there's no it, there's no application process. There's no human interaction with it, right? You literally it just happens. Um, the reason I'm in favor of that is because it would be cheaper than having caseworkers to assess all of these things and having to administer CPP and having source deductions and all of these other things. It would be cheaper and easier to manage. And so that's, that's the reason I would be in favor of it. What kind of money are you talking? thousand bucks a month or maybe a graduated yeah. system? Thousand bucks, thousand bucks a month. No, if it's, if it's graduated, it's not universal. And if it's graduated, then it means that somebody has to administer it. I'm talking like everybody, everybody top to bottom gets a thousand dollars a month. And if you want to use that to donate to charity and um, write it off on your taxes, great. And if you want to use it to, you know, send your kids to a, send your kids to a school, then you do that. And if you want to use it to uh, pay your mortgage, then, then you do that with it. And it's not, um, 
you know, we're, we're not all going to be driving, you know, we're not all going to be driving Cadillacs. We're not all going to be living in mansions, but it means that, yeah, it means we're going to be surviving. And to your point, Ian, it means that the landlord has some kind of assurance that even, uh, that even the substantial portion of my rent is going to get paid if something bad happens to me. I I don't know. There's lots of cases now where, I mean, because, and and I'm just going to, throw this out there because of the moratorium on evictions and everything that people have just stopped paying the rent. They can, they can, they can do it. They've just decided oh, yeah. that they're not going to do it because there, there is no ramification for them. And I mean, at some time they'll be said, okay, you have to pay the rent and then they'll just say, okay, I'm moving out. Yep. And the landlord's That's, the one that gets stiffed. Absolutely. And, and I, this isn't a perfect system in any way. Like any, any social, like any social welfare, OAS, CPP, employment insurance, any of it is is going to cost money from somewhere, and it's going to co- and it's going to send money out. You know, I I paid into I paid into EI for you know twenty five years, never used it once. If I did, if I did use it all of a sudden, it would go really, it would go pretty well for me. But you know, there's no guarantee at this point that by the time I'm ready to retire, you know, I'm twenty. Where am I? Almost twenty years, almost thirty years right now from being able to collect CPP. The chances of me actually being able to collect that, despite how much I've paid into it over the years, is you know approaching zero. Especially if you know our dear leader keeps doing the things that he's doing. At some point, that money's going to disappear. So, again, if we can if we can reduce cost then I think that would be, that would be of benefit. And I still, and I still think it would, I still think it would, if you took all the levels, right? Cause right now, like welfare is at municipal level and EI is federal and there's provincial, there's provincial uh, um, deductions and there's uh, federal deductions. There's municipal things. If you took all of those programs, you added them all up, I think it would be cheaper. And that's the only, that's the only reason I think it's a good idea. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Hmm. I might be wrong, but it's entirely possible I'm wrong. But, you know, it, it, see, it seems to me like it would be cheaper, and if it is, then that makes sense because there's no administration. Back in cost. my day, there was a lot of inflation, like Jason points out, and the consequence <laughs> is everything costs more. It used to be you could buy anything for a nickel. Give me five of these for a nickel, they used to say, and you know the important part of the story is I had an onion on my belt, which was the style of the time. Oh, we probably pay a lot of that back in taxes, anyways, eh? Well, but that, but that's it. Like all of every every dollar that the government gets comes from someone come, comes out of our pockets. Yeah. So if we're paying taxes, anyways, it would make sense for us to pay. It would make sense for us to reduce the operating cost, right? And and have and have no have and, and have a fixed operating cost of essentially zero. It's whatever it costs to run the servers at CRA, which are already running anyways. So if it's a fixed cost and it's a fixed payout, then it's really easy to budget for. And we don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Good. But I mean, let's, let's be real. Like the, the country that we live in will never get rid of OAS, CPP, EI and welfare in favor of UBI. This would always be on top of, in which case we're like, we are, we are so far beyond screwed. It's not even funny. Because we're talking about adding like thirty-five billion dollars to our to like our annual to our annual debt, yeah. 
Well, I mean, you already touched on it earlier, guys. Like, you know, we'll just print a trillion dollar platinum coin. coin. <laughs> yeah. You don't uh, it'll have, I'm assuming, a polar bear on it. I don't know. <laughs> and you know what we could do? We, we could print it with a 3D printer. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All the answers you ever need for anything are found on the Canadian Prepper Podcast. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so coming up this, this winter, guys, uh, with going Australia and New Zealand as an example, are we going to have more lockdowns? Because uh, Dita Hinshaw there in Alberta swore up and down, there'd be no more lockdowns ever. Sort of Jason Kenney, I think, say that. And they turned right around and did more of them. So, What's happening in Canada? Well, with I, I already predicted we'd be locked down by this weekend, so I've already been wrong on this. Um, but I, I hope saying? that I continue to be wrong, and we're okay. But I don't, I don't see how it's going to happen. Right? Cases are going to keep going up because it's winter, and people get sniffly, and so more people are going to get tested because they've got sniffles. And because more people are going to get tested, we're going to see more positive results, despite the fact that they're subclinical. Otherwise, they'd be subclinical except for mandated testing. And so, as cases rise, they're going to lock. They're going to lock us down again for our own good because, you know, it puts the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I got a, a bad feeling as well that we're going to see some more lockdowns. But with that, I think we're going to see more pushback as well because people are obviously getting tired of it and they're starting to fed up. push back more. So I, I got a real bad feeling that. Yeah, it's we're going to see it again, but I, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more protests and a lot more people just pushing back against it, which well, it's is always going to... Please stop protesting in front of hospitals. It's not is the it, hospital's fault. It's, yeah. uh, it's hard to find, too, but if you actually do a little dig, you can find a lot of stuff from Melbourne, Paris, uh, Rome, and a couple other places where these there's some massive protests going on, right? Melbourne yep. looks like a war zone right now with the cops, the way the, the way they're interacting with the public. And uh, it's been a little crazy, to say the least. Yep. But anyway, on that note, I uh, somebody pointed out a good point to me today is the fact that as of, what, the end of November now, some people in Canada will have the, be unable to leave the country because the U.S. border is closed. They can't walk over and they can't fly and they can't take a train or a bus. So very North Korean at this point that certain people literally can't leave the country anymore. Well, and the, the, it'll always be said that they're choosing they're choosing to put themselves in a position where they can't leave. But um, pretty sure they they. But the, like, the the answer will always be that Canada isn't restricting them from leaving. The U.S. is restricting them from entering. So so we we have have only, only if you're the world. over. Trudeau has said you cannot get on a plane, you cannot get on a train, you cannot if you're not vaccinated. So the only option is to drive over. So yes, the U.S. is stopping you. Only one out of several different ways to be able to get over there. Yeah, so that's so that would be the argument, right? Like I'm just thinking about the constitutional challenges because the what is it, section section seven of the of the constitution says that uh, you everybody has the right to enter, remain in, move about freely, and leave Canada at any time. Every citizen, um, but yet the, if you travel by air right now, you can certainly enter the states. So it's uh, it's yes. Yeah. So uh, so right, like it's it's the U.S. that's actually prohibiting you from entering the country, right? We're like Canada's like the government of Canada is not stopping you from leaving. They're just stopping you from getting into small contained spaces, which I mean. 
I still don't understand the logic behind I can't drive across the border, but I can get in an airplane full of other people and fly across. Like that, that logic doesn't make any sense to me. Or why they're okay with letting their people come north, but not other people come south. Yeah, or yeah, or why they can come here, but we can't go there. That does that also baffles me. But like, it, it, it has never made any sense to me that it's it's unsafe for me to drive across the border with somebody that you know likely lives with me, and that's why they're in the car with me. But if we get on an airplane with 50 other people and start breathing each other's farts for the next four hours, it's perfectly okay. Yeah. Well, apparently what's, uh, what's starting to go on now is, um, especially for the uh, snowbirds in that, is they're hiring somebody to take their motorhome or their RV or whatever, take it across the border and drop it at the closest airport on the other side of the border. And they're renting a helicopter and they're getting flown over and dropped at the uh, the airport, and because um, you can still fly over. And as far as I know, the uh, restrictions to getting on like a helicopter and paying for it yourself and whatever, there's no there's no COVID restriction on that. So that's uh, that's apparently what's coming down is groups of people are getting together. And they're hiring a company to take their two or three motorhomes down and they're all jumping on a helicopter and they're plopping over there and then they're getting in their vehicles and they're driving south. So it's but this is off for their safety. Yep. Yep. So I'm assuming this answers. is how we get kicked off Facebook, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that pretty much answers Jason's question as well in the live chat. He just asked if anybody knows what the rules are regarding a charter or private flight. So Sounds like yeah. helicopters are okay, so I'd assume yeah. the, uh, the uh, private corporate, flights are Corporate too. flights have always been wide open and uh, continues to be, so that's uh, yeah. very interesting. There you go, Jason. <laughs> yeah. Um, last thing I just want to touch on here before my internet finally shifts the bed here. Um, touching base with like-minded types. So I just happened to get a, 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 a random contact from one of our old buddies there on the East Coast, the Welsh blacksmith, we'll call him. He was just checking to see how I, I've been doing the last couple of months with the COVID business and everything else. But he actually brought up a good also point. Right, that, uh, we all kind of need to keep tabs <laughs> I didn't hear that because thanks to the internet's shit in the bed again. Uh, but we need to keep tabs on everybody for mental health among friends because all this stress that's been going on lately. Like, I mean, have you guys been keeping regular contact with all your kind of mag types? Absolutely. And it, it's, you know, it, it's uh, poignant as you say that today. Today is, in fact, World Mental Health Day. Um and it is super important to check in with your check in with your people. Make sure, and you know, it, it's really easy to get into the to get into the mindset that I'm a tough guy and I can deal with things myself. Um, I'll be the first one to say it. This is a, this has been a shit couple of years. Everybody talk to each other, right? Make sure everybody's okay. Make sure the people around you are doing all right. And and even if they say they are, they probably aren't. It's okay to not be okay. Talk it out. And definitely check in with the people around you. Yeah, it's important. We've got a friend of ours that she's just had a, a new baby. She's about three months old. And the father is works on, I don't remember which pipeline, but it's not out west. It's in southern Ontario. And he's gone for quite a long time quite a long stint, like five, six weeks at a time. And every so often, my wife or I will text her, call her. There's another couple, Pierre and Melissa. Pierre's on the other CPP. He knows who she is. We'll call her, go down for supper or whatnot, just make sure she's doing okay. And 
we, we we've we've kept an eye on her. She's doing good. Absolutely, especially especially young kids, uh, people with yeah. young kids. They're they're not okay. There's there's nobody that's doing well if they've got young kids. Those uh, those little monsters are not easy to deal with, especially if you're on your own. <laughs> Every parent out there knows I'm right, whether you want to admit it or not. Well, you're absolutely Stop. right. The whole notion that it takes a village to, to raise a child, absolutely. when yep. all of a sudden so. you're const- you're constricted uh, to a yep. much smaller group. So anyway, that's a, a great point that's going to springboard into what uh, some of the, the stuff I was going to talk about. Um, listening to some other podcasts, thinking more and more about building community levels. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. You've been cheating on us with other podcasts. I have. Are we talking about gasifiers? If we turn he this into a daily podcast, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huffing my CO, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we Fresh turn this into a daily podcast, all about gasifiers, sure, that's fine. I won't need anything else. But, you know, when I'm cleaning up the garage and stuff, like, yeah, I, I've listened to to our podcast library three or four times. Sometimes I branch out a bit. What can I say? <laughs> anyway, just, you know, thinking more and more about building that community level resiliency, you know, and strengthening at, at very least sort of my mag as much as possible. You know, the ability to, to, to build community with like-minded people or a broader community of people who at least have the ability to work with, even if you don't agree with them all the time. Like we, we have disagreements among us. I'm the, the rare left wing prepper that, you know, I'm, yeah, I work in healthcare. I'm fine with vaccines. Um, but you know, the ability to work together because the, the lone wolf wolf model of prepping, uh, unless you're Ian who just has everything together. Um, <laughs> building community is important, right? You know, y'all need to sleep at some point. I would far sooner live in a neighborhood where everyone has a giant vegetable garden and my neighbors aren't trying to steal from mine, but I can trade my, you know, my, my potatoes for their squash or whatever, right? You know, here, here's some eggs. Oh, great. Here's some potatoes. Um, you know, if we're prepared and we can look after ourselves, our family, uh, you know, have a mag that's looking after itself. And then all of a sudden we have extra seeds to help neighbors plant gardens, you know, having comms so that we can tell the neighborhood what's going on in the, the broader, uh, broader world. I mean, you know, I think that's something tremendously valuable that sort of goes beyond, um, you know, it's, it's great to think about hiding out in your bunker and eating nothing but freeze-dried food. But the reality is that a community is going to do much better in a disaster working together as a community. And if we have the opportunity to be uh, leaders to sort of have those few, no pun intended, but seed items to help a community um, maintain itself and look after its own needs, I think that's tremendously valuable. Uh, and whether building community starts with looking after your 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 neighbors uh, with young children and uh, you know a spouse who's away for work, um, you know if it's looking after each other's mental health, like I think building community, building our local bags, our wider area. I mean, you guys are all valuable resources. I've I've 
you know, asked the, our group all, all kinds of questions, things I didn't know that I get almost instant answers to. It's, it's fantastic. So um, what are some of the things that you guys see value in building, building our community? I think you're 100% right that, that having that community is is huge because I, I think we've said it at least two or three times now on the podcast, uh, you can't know it all. So no. so having that group of people with a diverse skill set is yeah absolutely priceless because you're, you're never going to know everything. And being able to reach out to that group and say, hey, how do I do this? Or I don't know how to do that. And getting a, a valid and educated response back is, uh, yeah, priceless. And not just that, getting a response that doesn't have like a, a sneer of derision with it. Because if you say like, I'm preparing for the collapse of society and you know I need to yeah. know this because if you ask a subject matter expert, they might kind of think you're absolutely off your rocker. But if you're just talking about power outages to like minded group of people, they're like, they think it's normal, which is good. You know, yeah, 100%. You know. yeah. I mean, you know, I think uh, hopefully all of us and all the listeners kind of we go and look at some of the assumptions we make. You know, we, we all assume power is always going to come out of that, that outlet in the wall. Well, what happens if it's not? Right? That's so, I mean, I guess that can kind of springboard into my next, my next point. Um, just talking about threat assessments. Um, you know, our, our preps are kind of looking at societal collapse. Um, but I think, you know, our, our, our biggest threat on our individual radars shifts. Um, when we were reading uh, one second after or 77 days in September, I'm kind of under the assumption that there's going to be an EMP any day now. Um, you know, the light, lights go out. Well, I the, threat, EMP. the threats, the, the threat from a solar for a solar EMP is something like 12% right now, which is not, uh, not insignificant. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and sort of the, the light switch, the light switch turning off is probably where I should go first, not the EMP. <laughs> um, you know, but it it shifts around back uh, back in the fall or last fall with the the U.S. election and the uh, January sixth insurgency. You know, the crazy political instability was sort of the biggest thing on my radar. Um, you know, more recently I've been paying attention to the crumbles, um, as Robert Evans puts it in uh, in his podcast. You know, just well, that general decay of society. And let's not forget, like the the 2003 blackout that affected most of the the continent to the east, right? Like um, Ontario and east, and then yeah. most of the eastern seaboard in the U.S. That was all caused by one generating station in Pennsylvania overloading. Yeah, one tree. Like, yeah, it was like it was it was like one one teeny tiny little infinitesimal point in the system caused this entire cost, cascade effect. Like, um, even though it's only you know a couple of days to a couple of weeks. Things are things will get back to normal slowly, but you're going to be on your own for some amount of time, right? And that's that's probably the more the more realistic threat than you know a solar flare wiping out all the microchips in you know in in one part you know in one face of the world, and, or um, or some kind of you know nefarious attack on on uh, an electrical grid or you know, uh, a high, high, high orbit detonation EMP kind of thing. Like, uh, it's, it's, it's not impossible, but I would say it's unlikely, but it has happened where one little thing goes wrong and our in 
in, t- in, you know, our incredibly fragile grid goes down for just even just a little bit. Well, and that's all really, kinds of inconvenient. Really interesting listening to a, um, uh, an after analysis by engineers looking at the Texas power grid failures and sort of how sensitive the entire grid is to frequency, right? The grid runs on 60 Hertz and all of a sudden your supply and de- uh, your production supply and demand consumption side, if you start getting those crazy out of balance, it throws off um, that, sort of that that frequency and it takes so little to throw it out and part of what they had to do was manually shut things down basically as a last resort because if the system were to crash and they had to like restart the entire system from scratch like everything is shut down and uh, i think i want to say they call it a black start um that process would literally take months so you know the the circuit breakers and the the safety systems were kicking in to prevent this massive big problem. Um, isn't, that a, and, isn't that a cold start? Uh, cold start or black start? I'm I'm not sure. I've heard a couple of different terms for it, but okay. I mean that regardless, to start the system and get everything back in tune at that same 60 hertz frequency on frequency, so you're not creating harmonics, you're not canceling things out. Um, it's a, a scary process. And I mean, the, the electrical grid is always something that's showing up on my radar because it's a giant, fragile, 60-year-old piece of technology, 60-plus-year-old uh, piece of technology uh, mm-hmm. that has huge parts that are very difficult to, uh, to replace. So, well, and that take months of production and huge lead times just to get them, you know, on the continent and into this into the right physical location, let alone the installation. Well, and I mean, jumping back to yeah. our earlier stuff, you know, when when these parts, you know, some of these massive million plus pound transformers that are made in two places in the world, um, you know, they're not local; they're <laughs> made continents away and shipped across seas, and it's. <laughs> And we don't have any port. We don't have any dock workers to get them off the off the ships, and we don't have any ships or containers to move them in. And they and, gotta wait and, three weeks when they get here. Yeah, yeah. So uh, well, I anyway. I think and and it Eric Eric mentioned it when his uh, his account got hacked. There, I think the biggest threat we have is um, is cyber attacks. I mean, look at the the Colonial Pipeline shut down, and there's been other. Um, other hacks and stuff like that. I think I think that is our biggest threat, honestly. Yeah, I think you're right I there, Jeff. That's something you, that Jeff. we're seeing a lot more of. Oh, I mean, we're we're so dependent on the Internet of Things. Yep. Right? Every little thing is controlled. And <laughs> I mean, in the um, I forget which episode it was, but one of uh, one of the listeners in the chat was talking about the gas lines being controlled if they lose internet connectivity as a safety measure they shut down so if that's the default position (laughs) that's not good for us oh that's that's not good at all yeah i think cyber attacks definitely a big thing on my radar right now so the gas lines some ass is going to take your playstation account you know what have it I, i rarely ever use the darn thing Take it. Just don't charge stuff to my credit card. (laughs) 
which is probably the point of taking the account. So whatever. Anyway, um, preppers have kind of a, a constant risk of seeming kind of pessimistic. Like, let's face it, <laughs> our default position is to go to worst case scenario or slightly beyond that. We, we go beyond what, um, you know, what a lot of people consider worst case scenario. Uh, but I actually find a lot of hope in meeting so many like-minded people, seeing the resiliency that we all appreciate building, that, that sort of we see value in having these thought processes, building these skill sets, making these connections, having this network amongst us, uh, and preparing ourselves so we'll be in a better place to help ourselves or to lead others in troubling times. Um, learning things which might be incredibly life-savingly invaluable one unforeseen day. Um, so I actually find a lot of hope and, and comfort that people think about this stuff ahead of time and we're not all just uh, lemmings running along the, the path wherever the rest of the group is going. Um, tinfoil so, wearing people? Well, I mean, hey, the, the, tinfoil hats? There, there are some Listen, tinfoil hats in the group. If I'm wearing a tinfoil hat, then I'm ready to cook. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know there's a rule about what you should wear cooking bacon, but I didn't realize tinfoil. Anyway, the question oh, that I'm going to put to you guys to end, hopefully on an optimistic tone, um, what brings you guys hope in the prepper world? I would have to go with what you said, Scott, that you find hope in finding other people that are like-minded. It takes a, uh, I, I would think that it would take the stress off of me trying to be trying to not be that lone wolf guy. So I know I have somebody else out there to count on and that I'm not alone. None of, my, none of my, none of my family is really into being prepared or anything. My sister has three kids and a husband and she's got, yeah, maybe a month of stuff stocked away, but a month for five people in the house doesn't take long to eat up. My parents are getting on in age and they don't have a lot in the house anymore. And I've tried to tell them, okay, stock up some more, stock up some more. My brother's out in Newfoundland. He's had lots of bad winters and he's actually started to grow a garden last year. I was really, really happy to see it. And they had some good success. Got some friends around here that are like-minded as me, but it took a long time to find them. So I, 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 th I agree with you, Scott, in, the, in that you find hope in finding other people that are like-minded that I can rely on. If every one of my neighbors had a, a lovely vegetable garden and oh, yeah. all of a sudden I knew, uh, you know, the, the grocery store, something happens, power, internet, supply chain disruptions, whatever. Um, but if all of my neighbors are able to go to their gardens and look after each other and trade amongst ourselves and look after each other, then I don't need to worry about someone trying to come and steal my stuff. I don't need to worry about spreading my resources thin trying to, to feed others. Um, so, But then how would the government get their taxes? Hard, Not my problem. Hard, hard to tax bartering a tomato, my friend. 
Oh, if there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> yeah, they'll get the neighborhood league breakers in there. They'll take care of it. <laughs> anyway, I I find hope uh, in in our group, in our thought processes, in preparing for this stuff. So it uh, it makes me happy. So that's. Um, that's how I kind of fight some of the pessimism because <laughs> when we all look at the, you know, we're all going through picking news articles we're like, Oh man, this world is just going down. <laughs> but I, but I think um, Scott and you're, you're right on it. But, and I think everything that's gone on the last couple of years, like the, the lockdowns and, and other, other things that have happened is a lot more people are looking at themselves and saying, I'm not ready for this. And what do I do? And how do I prepare? And, and is there the, as you say, the like-minded people out there and where do I find them? And how do I, how do I find them? And so I, I, I think there's, there's more of us out there than we think there is. Yep. And also I'd like to add to that, like, you know, like-minded people, but everybody from different backgrounds too. It doesn't matter where you come from or who you are or what your polit- political beliefs are. It's, you know, I've, seen, I've met a lot of people from, you know, all different backgrounds that are doing this too. So, yep. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think if we, if we took the time to really evaluate what a, what a prepper is, right. If we, if we put a real definition on it, I think you'd see that 95 plus percent of the population is, does prepare for something that is important to them. Whether, you know, whether it aligns with our kind of goals of being completely self-sufficient for, you know, two and a half years or not, it's, you know, most people keep, you know, an extra toothbrush on hand or they keep a change of clothes in their car in case they get stuck somewhere. Like most people do that. They just don't identify it as being prepared for an emergency. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because you throw the word prepper out there and it freaks people out, right? That's right. Absolutely right. There's there's a really negative connotation with 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 preppers and doomsday and and I think that's probably part of it, right? There's there's a big connection between like the world is coming to an end and these preppers slash survivalists are the ones that that you know are going to say I told you so. It's really off putting, but if you dig down to it, there are you know people will you know I think most people have an extra jug of washer fluid in their car. Most people have a few days worth of food in their house and whether they recognize it or not as I'm preparing for an emergency versus this is just a good idea in general. I think most people are and just don't want to have a negative connotation with it. And, and it's funny if you, and, and I've kind of had this happen or talked to a few people and, you know, kind of talked about, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a bit of a prepper and automatically, like you said, they, they go to this, Oh well, you must walk around in camo with the war paint on, and you got the submachine gun with the ammo all over you, and you got I a wish. bunker in the backyard with yes, know, all 50 of it. Years of, that that's what people see. They don't see the you know, and the, the one person I talked to, I said, well, do you can stuff at the end? They're like, oh yeah, I do pickles and I do this and I do that, and it's like, well, like it or not, you're you're a prepper. You're you've prepared. You know, you may not think you are, but you now all of a sudden have this. If something happens, you've got something to go back on. And they kind of went, blinders oh, off. yeah, I never thought about that. We have, yeah, a, brand, we have a branding problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are scared. Uh, of the absolutely. Right? 
but that's it. We, you know, we we have this huge this huge you know persona of you know guys in the woods that are you know running around and setting booby traps for the feds. And I mean, that's you know, as as much as that might that sounds fun on paper, there's there's no basis in reality for that. Right? No, the, and there was uh, and and I think Eric brought it up a, a few episodes ago. There was uh, a guy out in Eastern Ontario that got arrested for something and it was uh he had some he he did wrong he had some illegal firearms and whatever but what was the big uh the big uh topic was uh prepper arrested for what well, yeah they, they firearms they, offenses they, or something like that yeah arsenal oh, yeah it was yeah it was a prepper arrested with his arsenal and he had like you know 10 guns and a bunch you know a bunch of ammo that's what they focused on when really like you know, yes, he did some bad, he did a bad thing, which, you know, he probably shouldn't have done. And now he's paying the price for it. But, you know, I think all of us have, you know, all of us have those, you know, those things in the back of our closet or, or in, in a safe, secure place so that when we have to go hunt our own food, because ships can't unload, we can. And, you know, it's, it's an uncomfortable truth that people don't want to hear. Yeah. Right. It, it's a really, it's a really inconvenient reality that the, the, you know, that, that our supply system is as fragile as it really is. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that, you know, we're three days away from anarchy. No. Right. Yeah, one, no. you know, one, one really well-placed bridge emergency across the 401 would absolutely cripple the, cripple the, uh, um, the supply chain from, you know, of absolutely everything, right? Like one, one bridge, one bridge being all of a sudden inoperable for a couple of weeks would be absolutely devastating. Well, they, um, they had, um, they had the, uh, what, what, which bridge is that one in Windsor that uh, they had it shut bridge. down for like six hours for uh, yep. a bomb scare there like a week ago or so. And they were saying like it was a six hour closure and they figured it was a $10 million hit to the economy. Yep. Well, it, it's it's the busiest border crossing in in the world or in North America. I forget. North it was, America. Yep. It is definitely definitely North America. I, I I'm, I'm not sure about any about any other about the rest of the world, but um, yeah. If, if you know, I, I I I've crossed that crossed that bridge many many times, and if there's fewer than a thousand trucks either in line to cross or wait or waiting to clear customs, that's a that's a weird day. Right. So all of a sudden you've got, you know, this, you know, these thousands, you know, thousands of hundreds of thousands of pounds of cargo. If they can't go anywhere, it's a, that's a really bad time. That's yes. true. We've, uh, we've got an actual prepper in the live chat here, everybody. Uh, mailman NB was uh, <laughs> out in the woods today running around. <laughs> you, you are, you are a bad, scary person and you're you're what's wrong with society why don't you just bow down to the government and let them take care of you the way that they promised they would yeah sit at home play playstation okay collect your serb yeah. call the day yeah. take eric's account <laughs> yeah apparently my account's up for grabs so go for it yeah. well podcast challenge time i think it's podcast challenge time yeah so um the podcast challenge for this week is make a point of uh finding and sitting down with a couple of like-minded folks and talk about potential concerns, but more importantly, 
solutions. As much as there's concerns, what's the solution? Um, you know, in my, my other job, I used to be, don't come to me with a complaint if something's wrong. Come to me with a solution to make it better. Yep. So I think that's a very important point is, you know, like we say, make a point, sit down with some like-minded folks and try to come up with some solutions to potential concerns. <laughs> I like it. I'm sitting down with Mailman NB and finding out where his woods are because I bet there's uh, deer and or moose in those woods. There probably <laughs> are. Not that me and Ian would be able to harvest any, any of those deer, but, you know. Yeah, eventually we would. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, shall we move in to upcoming events? All right. So we got the Film of Fishy and Auto Gun Series, also known as FAGS match, uh, October 23rd at Guelph Rod and Gun Club. Uh, the link is on practice score. Uh, it is kind of like IDPA, but not entirely related to IDPA. It is a movie-themed uh, shooting competition like they've done Die Hard where you had to kind of show up in a wife beater Red of 92 and lighter um, and then they've also done a couple of yeah, movies yeah. Like yeah and they have to scream yippee <laughs> while you're shooting at the hostage you know uh, the hostage the guy behind the hostage and not shoot the hostage and uh, there's actually been a couple good ones and I can't remember what movie they're doing this time but they've done oh geez, I think they've done Boondock Saints and a couple other ones too so um, check it out it's actually kind of a funny thing to watch the uh, the after results on it but, uh, but they can't. certainly could have come up with a better acronym than what they did but no i think that's exactly <laughs> why they did it <laughs> if, yeah, you ever, if, you're, if you ever watch team america it makes total sense right so <laughs> anyway yeah all right deal of the week oh um, is that me yes, that is. sorry <laughs> I, I i close the show notes because i wasn't paying attention um was it the little buddy heater the mr buddy heater I no, what we decided on. no, that wasn't any time on the show notes for tonight. I got so. it. Uh, okay, go for it. I, I, I don't have it in front of me now. <laughs> in my best safety nerd voice, it is the Blue Hive Power Bank, 5,300 milliamp hour at 1598, which is regular 4999 at Canadian Tire. Links in the show notes. Don't forget yeah, that. to uh, keep an eye out for the carbon monoxide when operating said device. That's right. You forgot that line. Yeah. Ah, sorry. <laughs> uh, another one may not produce carbon monoxide, yeah, may or not be a detector. Yeah, just don't let it on fire. It'll be fine. Uh, so another one, Canadian Tire, uh, Wildlife Innovations Prism uh, Trail and Game Camera Combo. So it's regularly uh, $299, uh, 99, so 230 bucks. It's on sale for uh, $99.99. So check that out if you need a trail camera. And shout-outs. So uh, shout-out shout out to Ian. Thanks for coming out. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Haven't seen you in a while. So, and so thanks nice for reading my here. thing because I wasn't paying attention. It's, it's really exciting. It's like my first episode all over again. <laughs> and we're about as organized. Oh, there you go. Uh, Kyle's got his stats in for this episode. Uh, CO count is 6, 26-26. Uh, Wood gasifiers, 4. Uh, ham, almost ham operator, 6. Canadian tire, 2. CGN, 3. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate that. <laughs> Those are bad stats. That's some pretty good stats. Yeah, that's, that's well done. Um, quick shout out to, uh, to everyone that's uh, joined the Discord uh, server. Appreciate everybody uh, signing up. I'm hoping that it's going to make communication between uh, panelists and listeners a lot easier. I'm wondering yeah. if maybe email was just a barrier. So 
So got that all set up now. Well, so, I also, uh, we already got Josh from uh, Radio Crush Crush on there too, didn't we? He was the first person he to was join. the first one on. Yep. 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 So Josh awesome. is kicking around there too. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to break down some communication barriers and get everybody kind of chatting amongst each other uh, without it having to be on Sunday night. But uh, of course, please keep coming back on Sunday as well. I got a shout out for the uh, Island Mentor. Uh, also, the listener who's listening in the live chat, uh, who's known as Fast Talker, for helping out my parents. They uh, they had a, I guess, a problem to get get rid of, so to speak. They had an excess dog from the farm that they, uh, they it wasn't right to keep it in town anymore, and him and his family managed to take it on on a trial basis. So we'll see how that goes. Nice, good, Very nice. Um, I'm going to shout out Robert Evans and his crew and Margaret Killjoy uh, for. Th- their competing podcasts. <laughs> um, there's lots of good information out there. It doesn't just have to come from us. Fair enough. Blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> this is a running long. We'll skip, yeah, we'll skip the uh, email iTunes, I guess, this week because we're running long. Yeah, yeah, I figure we'll skip those and we'll get to them, uh, get to them next week because there's a few. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we won't drone on. So. Yeah, with that, I'll bring uh, episode 133 of the Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out. Take a second, submit a review. It does help other people find us. Now we record these shows. <laughs> we record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click on the notifications tab. That uh, will give you an alert when we're going live. You can contact me to talk about CO at Alan with one L at prepperpodcast.ca. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> and uh, if you want to reach me, you can get me at uh, just feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. And like E. Matson says in the uh, live chat, uh, shout out to Eric for uh, getting us going on the Discord. And um, I think it'll be a really good way to make contacts and uh, get much better information. The um, I, I don't think we've mentioned it, but the plan is to just kind of slip into Discord after the, uh, the live, so that you know we can yep. sort of have real meaningful chat the way uh, uh, Josh does with uh, with his crew. So I think that's a a lovely lovely bit of yeah. information. So yes, yeah, so there's a there's a the audio section in the Discord, and it's. Um, after show banter so i'm going to try and hop in there after every show if i can if i've got the time and uh we can just chit chat with everybody there and see where the topics go because why not steve where can everybody get you um feedback at preppercodcast.ca also all right I can reach you directly by emailing me at the island retreat at gmail.com and on gab and odyssey on uh, at the island retreat and other than that, you can also find me at Canadian Patriot Podcast on iTunes and YouTube and the Discord group now. Uh, both of them, Canadian Patriot or Canadian Prepper Podcast. <laughs> Email us if you want an invite, and you can find us discussing why government waste and society compels me to just talk it out. <laughs> Brad, where can everybody get you? Uh, you can reach me at monkman038 at gmail.com. Awesome. 
Uh, you can get me at uh, Rapid Survival, rapidsurvival.com on the live chat. You can email me at feedbackpreparepodcast.ca or, of course, on the Discord that is now set up as well. Uh, I've put the link in the, the live chat here a few times, so if anybody wants to join, there's a, a link floating around there now. Uh, thanks for joining us this evening, and until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. <laughs>